We are uh, today, I'm really excited. If you're brand new to Church on the Hill and this is your first week with us, you, uh, first time visiting with us, you couldn't have picked a better service for it to be your first service. And I'll tell you why. It's because this week, or, or today's service, we're going to minister to you on um, kind of what the Lord has put as part of our DNA. We're actually calling this cough culture. And about three, four times this year, we're going to kind of line out some of the key elements of what our church is and why it is according to scripture based on what we see is very important to Jesus Christ and what was so critical to him. Uh, you'll notice at the first of the year, if you were part of one of our cult, cough culture uh, uh, messages, we talked about small groups and how important that was to the New Testament church, what the New Testament church looked like, how Jesus set up his government, if you will, or his family unit by way of small group life. We see that happen all throughout the book of Acts and how churches have gotten away from that and now we're more about the event, we're more about the service and less about the relationship with Jesus and with one another. And so that was a critical thing that we taught you and that kind of helped you understand the heart of God and the heart of this church. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the other piece that's real important in our culture and that is our love of young people. Come on, can I hear you say Amen. And so if you've been around this church for any length of time, you probably have heard me teach the passage that I'm about to teach. So if you will, go ahead and open up your Bibles. If you've heard this before, this is a refresher. If you've never heard this, it's going to drop your draw revelation and make you understand who Jesus really was after when he came to earth. So Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 through 27. Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. We're going to look at that passage for just a moment here. And it says, and after Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and who? After Jesus and who? How many of those were there? Twelve. After Jesus and his twelve, we could say, arrived in Caperna, the tax, excuse me, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax. How many drachma? Say it again. How many? Two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Verse 25. Yes, he does. He replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and issue and taxes, uh, from their own children or from others? So what Jesus is qualifying, he's saying, hey, listen, kings and people, uh, who do they take taxes from? Do they take taxes from their own kids? They're the king. They don't take taxes from their own kids, right? And Peter then responds, he says, from others, Peter answered, verse 26, then the children are exempt, Jesus said to Peter, and he said, he said but so that we may not cause offense Go to the lake and throw your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my taxes and yours. Now, I hear a lot of preachers preach on this, and they, they draw out some really cool things about how uh, everything you need is in the fish's mouth. Come on, if you'll go fishing and win people to Jesus, all your financial difficulties will go away because it's important to Jesus that we win lost souls. That's a great piece, too. But really, what is happening in this passage is as they come into Capernaum, as it says, Jesus plus his 12, and they go, go into the temple, and every one of these major cities had a synagogue or a temple by which Jewish people could go. They could hear the reading of the scrolls. They can hear the, the scriptures as well as they can do their duties of worship and things like that. That was, that was traditional in, uh, in, 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 you know, in Hebrew type of worship. And so, so we have uh, them approach, the temple tax collectors approach Peter. And Peter, as we know in Scripture, is the oldest of all the disciples. They approach Peter and they say, does your master not pay the temple tax? Now, you've got to understand, they're rolling 
by way of Jesus plus 12. Everywhere they go, they're going in an entourage. So Jesus has to, he has to literally, he, he has to finance the SUVs to go from place to place. He's got to play for paying tickets, hotel costs. He's rolling with all of that. And so they approach him as he comes into the temple to ask him, uh, ask Peter, who they see as his CFO or his CEO, or is Jesus not going to pay the temple tax? You guys owe temple tax. Now, this is a pretty cool piece, and and they qualify what the temple tax is at this season in Jewish history, and it's how many drachma? Everybody say it out loud. Two drachma. It's two drachma. If you go back in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 14, you'll find where this concept is initiated. It's initiated as they build the temple that there is to be a tax. If you go back and read it on your own time, Exodus chapter 30, verse 14, it says, And every man over the age of 20... Once a year, we'll pay a temple tax. In other words, they'll pay, they'll pay a fee that literally helps for the upkeep of the facilities. They'll pay this tax, if you will, for all the operations of it. Once a year, they'll pay this temple tax. Now, by the time it came to Jesus' time, that temple tax has moved to two drachma for every man over the age of 20. Every man over the age of 20. Jesus goes into this theological discourse with Peter and says, Peter, I'm the Messiah. Do I really have to pay taxes to myself? Do I really? And, and those, who, those, those who are my disciples, should we really have to pay taxes? But so we don't offend them. Go down to the lake. Throw your line in. The first catch that you have is going to be a fish. And inside of that fish's mouth is four trachma. I don't know about you, but how sick cool is that? That Jesus not, I don't know. My, my question always, when, how did that get in that fish's mouth? Did a storm happen and some drachma fell overboard off a ship and this fish thought it was a bait and he sucked it up and he has drachma down in his belly? Did somebody catch him, throw it in there and throw him back just to see, you know, one day? I just think that whole thing is so cool. And so anyway, so he catches the fish and he says, and you will find how many drachma? For Jesus plus his disciples. How many disciples did you say he had? So Jesus plus 12 is 13 times two drachma for every man over 20 is? How come they only had four drachma to pay the taxes that they owed? Because only Jesus and Peter were over 20. He said, ooh, that's a little bit, I I never heard that before. Well, probably because you don't understand about the way rabbinical life worked. A rabbi would go around once a year, and all the students that were 13 and finishing up their training, the rabbis taught them the ways of the Jewish people. They taught them how to read and write. They literally were in, if you will, Christian school. And they were taught the culture of, 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 of the Israelis. They were, taught, they were taught the Torah. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. They had, uh, uh, they had all of this way of living. And then at 13, they were, it was then basically their graduation. They would then either be taken on by the rabbi to become a rabbi, to be taught by them and move into the ministry, if you will, or they would be released to go to their family's business. Whether it be tax collecting, whether it be sheep herding, whatever it may be, you know, whether it was, you know, doing contract work, whatever it was. And so what would happen was everyone over 13, if they didn't get picked by the rabbi to continue in rabbinical ministry, they would then be released back to their family. So you, you would find that these kids would then go back and work in their family business. So when Jesus comes and does like the rabbis would, he goes to these young men who are already working in their family business and says, come follow me. That blows their mind because guess what? They've already been picked over. 
They were not the best of the best. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I'm those guys right there. I, I wasn't the best of the best. He didn't find me in goodness. He found me in sin, and he cleaned me up. Come on, he made me a son of the most high God. And so he takes them, and he says, come follow me. So when they come to this temple, they don't have to pay tax, 11 of them, because guess what they all? They're all teenagers. Come on, somebody. So that then will blow your mind if you think the way God thinks in this concept. If God is going to come to earth in human form, and he's going to establish a new kingdom work that all that the Jews have been waiting on for years and years and years and years. He's going to set up his kingdom a spiritual kingdom as we know it to be a kingdom of life not a kingdom of death and he's going to entrust it to who? He doesn't go to the smartest minds. He doesn't go to the most spiritual, the most religious, the best prophetic voices of the era. He goes and finds 11 knotheads. Come on, do you remember being teenagers? That, for some of you, oh, you loathe those years. You won't even let us show pictures of those years of you. Not only were you zit-faced, but you were arrogant. Come on, you were insecure. You were weird as all get out. Even if you were a jock, you were still weird. We know you were weird. You don't even like that. Those are the most difficult times in a person's life. And God says, I'm going to entrust the most precious piece of heaven to young people. We at Church on the Hill are going to do what Jesus did. We're not going to let, we're not going to, listen, some of you came from churches that were dying out because they never invested in the younger generation. Church on the Hill will be a church that invests in the younger generation, and it's part of our culture. It's who we are. That's why there will always be life here. And when I, listen, why do you think I'm giving ice cream to your kids? Because when I'm old and can't preach anymore, and y'all are leaving me in my wheelchair sitting out in the parking lot because I'm not cool anymore, your kids are going to be like, baby, we got to take care of that old preacher. He's the one who gave me ice cream when I was a little kid. Come on, let's go take, let's go take him to Babe's Chicken and let him gnaw on a chicken bone. I got this thing, whole thing figured out as I invest in the younger generation. Why? Because of this passage right here. I want you to turn real quickly to our key scripture. And then I'm going to have some folks come help me teach us on this. Psalms chapter 71 is our key scripture today. Psalm 71 and verse 17. Look what David says. Since my youth. Everybody say youth. Since my youth, you have taught me, and to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. David had an interaction with the living God in his youth, and he said, until this day, I have served you and loved you because something happened to me when I was a young person. Do you know that 85% of Christians got saved before they were 18 years of age? Why are we wasting our time everywhere else? Do you know that 95% of church budgets go to people over 40? And no investment at all is made in the younger generation. And if it is, it's less than 5%. And we don't know why our churches are dying around the nations of the world. It's because no one wants to invest in the youth. David said, since I have my youth, oh God, you have taught me. I had an interaction with you when I was a kid as a young person. And you have taught me from your hand to my mouth. And he says this, and I will declare your marvelous deeds. And look what he says in verse 18. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, oh God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all those, excuse me, to all who are to come. David had an understanding, don't let me die until I have declared your power to the next generation. Not your religion, not your dead works. Come on, somebody. Here's been the problem with the older generation is they didn't declare his power because they weren't living in power. And so the younger generation didn't want what they had because it had no 
power. David said, until I declare, until I show them how much power you have and how you flowed in my life and changed my world and how I am used now to change others' world. God, until, until you let me do that, don't let me die because a younger generation has to know the beauty and the power of the living God. Isn't that good? Somebody ought to shout amen. Pastor Jonathan and Myrna Pena and my beautiful wife, Jamie, give them a hand as they come up here to help us. So, Jonathan and Myrna Pena are our, are our youth pastors, and we're so proud of them. They love young people, and, uh, and they have uh, our youth ministry. It's called EP, and I want you to tell us, why did you guys name it that? What was, what was the significance of naming uh, our youth ministry EP? Yeah, the Ezekiel Project, the name comes out of Ezekiel chapter 37, where, uh, where Ezekiel's led into the valley of dry bones, and the Lord asked him, can these bones live? And, and, uh, and he says, prophesy out of these bones, and as he, as he did, life entered them before him. The Bible says, a vast army stood before him, and, uh, and I believe that's where this generation has been. There's been a lot of people that have had death spoke over them, they've been discounted, so there's, there's no value in these people, and the Lord said, hey man, if you'll see value in them, if you prophesy life, you'll see you'll see." come to life, man, they'll, they'll declare the works of the Lord as they did in Ezekiel chapter 37. You, you know what I appreciate about you guys and what, we, what you do as ministry guys? We're not babysitting young people. And we're not doing bubblegum games and social clubs. I mean, we're after the real things of God in their lives. Tell a little bit about that, what you guys have been doing with mission trips and things. Yeah, just, just kind of testify a little bit. Yeah, so, so beginning of June, we took 19 uh, on, our, on our first missions trip, and uh, oh. we just wrapped up our internship. We had 13 students uh, participate in the internship. A lot of them sitting over here on the front two rows. And so our interns... And, uh, and then we're, we got a goal of 51 for summer camp this year. Yeah. And so, uh, so great things happening this summer. Yeah, and so tell us a little bit of what you do at a summer camp because I know you've done these year after year, and it's, uh, it's all about swimming and playing games, right? That's part of it. That's part, <laughs> of it. part of it. We do have a great time. We want, you know, our, our focus is to make young people realize that church ain't boring, that mm-hmm. church is fun. But we also have an in-depth service that we do every night. We bring in special speakers. We have great worship. Last year we did a night of worship, and it was amazing to see the young people prophesying and praying over each other during the last night. Come on, somebody. That's so powerful. Now, this year, our summer camp, uh, we we have about 10 kids that, that they don't have all their money. And so if you have, get it in your heart and you'd like to scholarship a kid, uh, when you walk out, there'll be a table out in the foyer. A little shameless plug there for you guys. Thank you, Pastor Adam. There you go. And if you'd like to help out, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I want to do my best to make sure every young person gets an experience with the Lord that they cannot deny. Like, like David said, even when I, when I was young. When I was young, you marked me. You did something great in my life. And so, so I love what we're doing. Now, our young people that, here at Church on the Hill, they're not just, uh, you're not just doing youth stuff off to the side. And they're this separate group. They're involved in the whole community. So talk about how they serve here and, and their involvement in the overall, you know, movement of the church. Yeah, so, so they serve a lot all over the place, man. We, we've got them in kids ministry. We've got them helping out in the cafe. We've got them helping out in, in, our, in our sound booth here. Yeah. All over the place on, on guest service. Team, worship team. Our bass player this morning is Jude Wood, who, who's, uh, who's Jude? Out, out of our youth ministry. And so, he loves that. That's so cool. And uh, in fact, you know, I was so proud of you guys because um, I told him, I said, I want, I want us to see, I wanted us to get a little bit of footage of, of something that God has done in one of our young people. And they said, okay, we got the perfect 
kid. And so, so we did a video, uh, a little interview, uh, because we didn't, we didn't want to give him the mic live because you never know, they may actually, you know, wig out. And so we did a quick uh, video shoot with one of, one of the greatest, I mean, we got a lot of amazing young people, but we were able to grab one of them and just get uh, a... That's not me in Jesus' name, amen. And so just a quick video footage of one of our young people, uh, Alex. Alex. Yeah, Alex Ramirez. Yes, sir. Yeah, Alex. We're going to show you, baby. Roll film. <laughs> so I'm here with my friend Alex, and Alex has been a part of EP for about a year now. And uh, Alex has done our missions trip. He's done the internship, and he's going to go with us to summer camp coming up here in August. And, uh, and Alex, why don't you tell us just a little bit about... Uh, about your time before you came to EP? Yeah, so before I came to EP, I was actually looking for um, a youth group to go to. And, like, all the other churches I went to, like, I just didn't feel accepted. Like, I feel like the only way to be accepted is if, like, you knew the people that were there. Yeah. And then I came to EP, and it's, like, within, like, the second time I came, like, everybody was talking to me like they knew me. Like, so, but tell me about your first time that you came. My first time coming to EP? Yeah. I was too scared to get out the car. Because, <laughs> um, like, everybody was outside, like, on the ramp, and I, I did not want to walk up there. <laughs> so, I, um... This girl named Mariah, Mariah McCain. Yeah. She was, um, she goes, hi, my name's Mariah. And I just walked right past her. Hi, my name's Alex. Without looking at her, just like walk right past <laughs> her. Because you were scared. Yeah, I just opened the door and went inside, and I didn't know where to go. And when you got here, the, you, you said your second time, you already felt welcomed. Mm-hmm. You already, did, did you say that you found what you were looking for within EP? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how has your relationship with God grown since you've been a part of us? Um, I feel closer to God, like, with um, my praying. Yeah. Like, I feel like I pray about more things, not basic things. What are basic things? Like, food and water. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, what, what, do you, what do you feel like you pray about now? Uh, just, like, everyday problems. Like, I'm not afraid to pray about them. Yeah. Like, any problems. And, and you said in your personal life, you feel you feel like you've seen a change, that God's already done a change in you in, in just about the nine months that you've been a part of us. Share a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's put me closer to my to God, of course, and my family. Yeah. Like, um, like I don't argue as much with my sister, like, you know, a little bit of wisdom. Yeah, come on, bro. And then how, how are you now with sharing your faith? Uh, yeah, I'm not, before I was, like, really scared to talk about it. Like, I wouldn't tell my friends because I was like, well, I don't know what they believe in, so I'm just not going to say nothing. Yeah. But now, like, I'm not afraid to, like, post it on Instagram or on Snapchat or, like, tell people about coming to EP. Yeah, dude, that's so awesome, man. And, and we got the school here coming up, dude. I'm so excited to see what the Lord is going to do with you in your coming up school year, man, through all of your friends. And so I'm so proud of you, dude, and I'm sure everybody else is, too. Oh, that's incredible. I... And as being a mom of two teenage, well, not a teenager anymore, one and a half, I guess. But uh, I'm so grateful and proud of these kids and their boldness in their faith, in their way, whether that's on their own social media or in their their lives each and every day at schools as they go out in places that we've never experienced before. And I appreciate the support every single week, not just with camp and the once a year things, but tell us about Wednesday nights when he talks about walking up a ramp. That's right outside. And then tell us what's coming in September as we kind of launch with junior high as well so yeah so we Wednesday nights we meet here in the auditorium at seven o'clock it's ages 13 through 18 and we just have a service geared towards our young people we do uh, some live uh, worship with our worship band we have some games and then we have a word that's presented in a way that they can grasp onto it and learn and 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 just get closer to the Lord Um, we also do small groups you know, starting in the school year. And then our junior hires meet once a month on the first Friday of the month in the kids' court. And they have 
another service that is geared towards them with some fun things happening. You know, I'm just so proud that we've got uh, young people who are using Snapchat and social media, uh, Instagram for anything other than something wicked. I mean, thank God. Give you guys a hand. I mean, I'm so proud of you guys. That's awesome. Hey, so listen, you guys are on the front lines, man. We, we know it as parents and as grandparents and friends of teenagers and young adults feel it as well. But, I mean, what, I mean, it's not like my generation. I mean, the challenges that they're being bombarded with is like, it's a whole other level. Just speak to that for a little bit. Tell us what, what, you're, what we're dealing with. Yeah, some of the things that these young people face, um, generations before that have never, ever faced before. I mean, you got 93% of boys and 62% of all girls are seeing pornography, hardcore pornography, before the age of 18. I mean, they're getting smartphones at the age of 11, and so the access they have to these vile, wicked things, I mean, we give to them. They keep it in their pockets. They're spending, you know, you know hours and hours and hours a day on these things. They could be great tools, but they can also be gateways for, for horrible things. And yeah, so, when we were a kid, if we found a dirty magazine out in the, out in the woods, we were like, yeah! Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, and you know, these guys, it's like it's, right it, here. It, yeah. The accessibility to it, and a lot of times... You know, as parents, mentors, whatever whatever role you hold in your in your student and your young person's life, we can be intimidated by those things because we don't fully understand you know the vastness of the technology and all that stuff. And so, man, it's really, really, really you know uh, a need that we have for. And people it's a to critical time in their life. I mean, it's the, speak to the development that's happening in those years. I mean, those early, you know, high school, junior high to late high school, those are real formative years for all of us as humans. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I feel like during those years, we we start learning habits, whether that is, you know, work ethic, um, or we have, you know, self-discipline, you know, we sleep until noon in the summer and not, you know, and then also, um, you know, our godly uh, disciplines, you know, we we form those habits when we're we're young, when we're at that age. And also, you know, our identity is being solidified during those years. I I can remember that being the time when I figured out that I was just this shy girl that just didn't want to. And I realized that I was good at numbers, you know. And so I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm really good at numbers and spreadsheets. (laughs) But, you know, it it solidifies who we are. And um, and the kids, uh, the teenagers nowadays have... Um, you know, they're in front of a screen 11 hours a day. And 11 so, hours a day. 11 hours a day. And they sleep 10 hours, so four <laughs> hours they four eat hours. and take a shower, I guess. <laughs> right. Okay. So, you know, it's being, their identity is being yeah. uh, solidified by all these uh, models and, and advertisements yeah. and just all these things. Yeah, I've, on been there. Done, I, I've been blown away how much Google, uh, you know, online, information is determining identity now for for people i mean sexuality because because so and so on this youtube channel said this this is then then this is what and i was dumbfounded even to see coming out of la and michigan how much uh, even in the school systems they are literally uh, we talk about identity saying hey listen god God messed up when he made you so you can determine your sexuality or who you are, boy or girl or guy or gal. Uh, you, can, you can rework that uh, through, uh, through you know, you know, mutilating your body or whatever you have to do. I've just been dumbfounded that you guys are even telling me now, and I was talking to some other young people, that now it is not 
it's not just it's not acceptable to be bisexual or transgender. It's now the pressure that everyone feels. Even if you're not bisexual, even if you don't think that, you're feeling the pressure that that's what all the cool people are doing now. That really has been a shift, right? Well, and tell us, you guys aren't just ministering to the kids that attend of the parents of Church on the Hill. Y'all are in our school systems weekly, really, yeah, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. We we meet uh, at the Collegiate High School weekly, man. One week we'll have the entire freshman class. The second week be the entire sophomore class. That's and so awesome. we're ministering to hundreds of people in the public school systems right where they're at. We're, we're teaching them leadership principles based on scripture. We don't mention the scripture reference, but we're giving them doses of Jesus right where they're Jesus. at. And we've seen a great, a great harvest from that, even the hard questions yeah, we that's ask worthy. in the schools. Jonathan, you had a real prophetic scripture that, that really sets the pace, that Second Timothy piece of what we're dealing with right now. Go ahead. And quote yeah, Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says that there will be terrible times in the last days. And verse 2 says this, this people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Yeah, the Word of God says actually that in the last days that they will call good bad and bad good. And so just the, the problem of you know, all advertisement is now going not to teenagers, it's gone down to children's ages because they want to grab them with their product and their theology and their, to develop their identity so that they will be hooked to a brand. So they're going after our children and the difficulty that we're facing to just raise our kids in the things of the Lord and not to become this, not, not to be marked by, by lovers of themselves, but instead to be a lover of God. So you guys have some real solutions that you see that you've been working. What are the solutions? How do we as parents, grandparents, neighbors to a teenager, young adult who works with some young people, what's the solutions? What do you see? Yeah, I think one of the major things that we need to do is we need to keep investing in young people. Yes, indeed. I think, we have I think to, we keep need to keep doing that. You know, you see that in Scripture modeled out with the prodigal son. The dad didn't give up on the guy waiting for him. And the Bible says he saw him from a long way off. He yeah. was looking for him to yep. come back. And and I think we need to keep investing. One of the one of the major celebrities of our time and uh, just really an influential young person, love him, hate him, he's influential, Justin Bieber. Just had an interaction, canceled, you know, half of his, his tour because there were some pastors that didn't give up on this young yeah, man. Yeah, because he... And now he's beginning right. to proclaim the word. We'll see what happens with him. But, man, he, he's had they an kept encounter investing, with God. Kept investing in this kid, right? And Absolutely. we see a great turnaround happening. And, and it, it, in Jesus' name, it'll go all the way through. So keep investing. I agree with that. And I would say this. It is difficult when, uh, when someone gives you an attitude. It is difficult when someone is rebellious. It's difficult when someone looks at you like you're old and don't know what you're talking about. But, guys, we have to keep investing. We have to keep putting our money where our mouth is. We have to keep putting our time, our effort, and energy. Can I tell you something? I want to tell you a quick story. So, so I was teaching this years ago at this particular church, and, uh, and, I, and I made a statement. I said, there's some grandmas out there you need to meet. Well, your 16-year-old granddaughter, she, you're the only one she'll listen to. And I want you to meet with her and just tell her how much, why you became a Christian. And, uh, and I promise you, God will do a miracle. I come back to preach at that church a year later. And they're doing their testimonies of their small groups. And this older lady and her girlfriend, they're both in their 70s, come running up. And they go, actually, we want to testify about our small group. It's all teenagers. And they look at me and they go, it's his fault a year ago. <laughs> 
And she told the story that she sat down with her teenage daughter, a teenage granddaughter, excuse me, and had lunch with her and began to say, I don't want to leave this earth and know that you won't be where I'm going. I need to know that you understand who Jesus is. And you get to make your own decision whether you want him or not. Would you please? And so she said, she, she was able to pray with her. And she said, Grandma, can I bring my friends over to your house? And so she brought her friends over. So she started sharing with them about Jesus. So she brought the girlfriend in who's 70. Because they started asking questions like, so Grandma, did you have sex before you were married? And why or why not? And she's like... And it's his fault, she's pointing at me, that she has to answer that question to these granddaughters. And they started being real and authentic. And by, before they knew it, within months, they had won all those girls' friends, all that granddaughter's friends, and had a small group of 20 teenage girls with grandmas leading a small group. I just thought that was the coolest thing. But they kept investing, kept investing, kept investing. So anyway... And so, so, Myrna, what else do you see? So, number one, we should keep investing. Myrna, what do you see is what we need to do? I see we, we go back to our key scripture, and we declare his power. Yes. You know, we have to live our faith out. Um, sometimes we think that they're not listening or they're not watching, but they are. They're always watching, whether it's you as a parent or you as a teacher, you as a coach, an aunt and uncle. They're watching and what you're doing. Um, you know, it reminds me of a story. When we were younger, I lived... Grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were, were saved, and, um, and so they would always tell us, don't watch scary movies. They are bad. You don't want to do that. You, you let fear in your life. You don't want to do that. And, so, and then they would put us to bed, and then they would watch movies. You know, it's fine. But one night, I sneaked out of my room, and, um, and I creeped over, and I was standing in the hallway, and I'm watching the movie that they're watching. And in what the was 80s, it? it was Child's Play, which is that With Chucky. Chucky. Oh, no, doll. sir. And no, so, uh, that's to big this devils. day, it's, the, it's, it's horrible. I can't, you know, it's just, it's scary. But it brought something in that's me right. that, that's what it did. That, um, that put fear and, and mm. this desire to watch these things. Even though my parents would say, don't do it, don't do it, their actions spoke different. That's true. And so, we just wow. need, need to live our faith out. We cannot yeah. get lazy. Yeah, I, and, and, and what... And what po- Literally, what David is saying there is, I'm going to literally, I'm going to declare your power. You can't declare what you don't have. You can't, you can't say something and do something different. In fact, what I have found with the younger generation, the reason why they don't want to be a part of the church is because they don't see any power there. Because we, those of us who have been Christians, we still have the same, you know, it's like this one guy told me. He goes, you know, I don't like Christians. I said, why? He said, the reason why I don't want to be a Christian, I said, why? He goes, because he you drink as much as I drink. You go to the same clubs that I go to. You, you, you cheat on your spouses like, like me and all my friends. The problem is then you got to get up under guilt and go to church on Sunday mornings to try to make yourself feel better about it. I get to sleep in. Why would I want to do what you're doing? You have the same depression, the same frustration. I told him, that's because you never met a real Christian. Here I is. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? And so I believe that's what Church on the Hill is. I believe we're real Christians here. But, but to the point, we have to declare his power, so therefore we have to live in it. And I would say this to you, and that, that is this. None of us are perfect. Everybody shout amen. We all have guilt and regret that we didn't live it out properly in front of our kid or, you know, we, we were rude to the kid next door or whatever. We all have those mistakes that we made. None of us are perfect. What I have learned to do is just be authentic with my imperfections. I really have. What I've learned to do is to seek after God with all my heart 
and let everything else take care of itself. And so when I blow it, I tell my wife, my kids, hey, guys, I blew it. I wanted to stab you right then. And so that's why I had to walk out of the room because you're an idiot and it made me mad. And I'm sorry. I was not acting like Jesus. Would you have forgiveness with, for me? I, I literally, I have, I have literally prayed for people and they didn't get healed as my kids were standing there going, so what's wrong? What's wrong with you? You you got sin in your life? Why isn't this one getting healed? Having to explain, listen, I don't know. I'm doing my best. I'm serving Jesus. And literally walk that thing out with them. And some of you, I think to this point, is that although we need to be um, declare his power, you may be struggling with, you know, I haven't done it all right. That's okay, because here's the beauty of this next passage. Why don't you read them, your Ephesians scripture? I thought this was so good. So Ephesians 5, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love this. Making the most of the opportunity. I can't go back and fix yesterday, but today we have an opportunity. Today I have a chance to say, look, baby, I am so sorry. I was rude about that. I just, mama's trying to, daddy's trying to do his best to serve Jesus. All you have to do is take the, be- the moment that you have right now and do the best in that moment. And as we, as we invest in the younger generation, as we declare his power, we will save a generation. We will reproduce who we are. I know Jamie, you've always had a real passion. Won't well, you and I just think you're right. Sometimes uh, opportunities have passed us by. Maybe their kids are grown and we don't have those moments anymore. But I am a direct result and a product of a lady that gave me a ride to youth group every single week. And then she got to hear my emotional ups and downs and the drive there and the drive back. And she'd say, it's okay, baby. It's okay. <laughs> She's going to build your character. It'll be fine. But just that ride, just that she wasn't the coolest hippie. She'd say, I found this new cassette you should listen to. And we'd be like, it's okay, really. But, but she brought us there. She saw that we were a group of kids that didn't have a way to get to church. And just simply carving out that hour a week to get us there and back made a difference in my life and in so many other others' lives, and we can make the most of those opportunities when we see that neighborhood kid, when we're on a field trip with our with our kids and their friends, and you see that, that child that may be unseen to other people, that no one's paying attention, and it doesn't sound very glamorous to be on a field trip with kids, but when you take that time out, you're investing in people's lives, and you're pouring into them that they know if for just this moment somebody thinks they're amazing and somebody thinks they're valuable. It was so important to heaven. The gospel came and was reproduced, not in older men and women, not in prophets, not in the most spiritual, but took teenagers. And Jesus invested in those 11 guys, plus Peter being the 12, and gave what he was into them because he understood a principle. And that is if we sow into the younger, we'll reap into the older. And it's just a beautiful passage of who God is and what he's like And as we go to close out in this moment, I want you to be reminded some of the greatest men and women of God that we know, like a Billy Graham. Billy Graham got saved as a junior high student and then at 16 years old began preaching to all his friends, going out traveling, going from place to place, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about a Bishop Jakes who got saved early on. This the men and women, uh, the Rosa Parks, the people who make great impacts on our community because something happened, like David said, when I was young, when I was young, Something happened with you and me. We have to invest in the younger generation. We have to declare his power to them. And we have to raise them up. Because, friend, guess what? We get old. And, we, and one day, what we want is who we are. 
to be reproduced so it continues on what God's done in our life. He has to do in the younger generation. We have to point him towards it. Would you stand with me all across the room? Hope this is ministered to you today. Here's what I want to do. As we go to close out, every one of you have a young person that you have a connection with. Maybe you are, maybe they're your neighbor and they keep, they keep throwing their ball over in your yard and you can't stand them. Maybe you have to work with some little millennial kid that you're like, I cannot believe this person got this job. How in the world are they able to work with me? Maybe you have your own teenagers. Maybe you're a grandparent with teenagers. Maybe you've got nephews and nieces. But it's important to the Lord, therefore it's important to Church on the Hill, that we invest in this younger generation. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Myrna to, to pray over the young people that you have a connection with. Maybe it's the same young person who serves you at your favorite restaurant. And they're all, you always get that same little gal. That's a divine connection. Maybe it's your nephew. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's your own teenager. But I want to believe God for their salvation, for their transformation, for them to know the God that we serve, the living God, the one true God. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. So I want you to put their, their, mind, excuse me, their name in the front of your mind right now. Who is that? Think of their name. And then I want you to pray over them. And then I, Jamie and I are going to come back and pray over us that we would be, make good investments, that we would declare properly. But we want to pray for those that we have connections with to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to come and serve the Lord. Maybe they've been away from the Lord, to come home. Maybe, they, maybe they're good, solid Christian kids, but they would stay strong. Whoever comes to your mind, I want you to begin to call out their name under your breath, right, as you are. And we're going to pray and agree with Pastor John and Pastor Murray as we pray over them. Father, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, Father God, we love you. Love you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're seeing the value in young people. Father God, I pray, Lord, that we would just begin to invest right where we're at, Lord Jesus, with, with the young people that are in our lives, Father God, within, a, within an arm's reach of who we are. That, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't quit on them, Lord Jesus. We wouldn't stop. We wouldn't grow weary in doing good. That, Father God, your scripture says in due time, we will reap a harvest, Thank Lord Jesus. Father. Right now, Father God, I pray for the young man who's struggling, Lord Jesus, with sexual addiction, Father God. Father. Lord, we bind that spirit, Lord Jesus, right now in your name, Father God. For the young lady who's struggling with identity, Lord Jesus, we break the back of that spirit right now, Lord, and we speak life Thank over them Father. right where they're at, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, for the attitude of the teenagers that are represented here, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you start breaking down those walls that they have built up because of hurt, because of, of desires that they can't have. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will start breaking those walls down, Father God, that as the, the, the congregation here, the people here start talking into their lives, ministering into their lives, bringing them hope, that they will be able to receive it, Father God. I thank you for that, Jesus. Now, Lord, we just, right now, as a church, we commit to make an investment into the younger generation, Lord God. We just put our heart out there and say, Lord, uh, where we have misrepresented you to the younger generation, where our fears, where our insecurities has dominated, Lord God, where we have, where we have shrunk back when we were supposed to testify, where we have not prayed for someone there at Walmart when we were supposed to, and they saw that model. Lord God, we just ask for help and forgiveness. We recognize our own humanity. We know that we fall short of the glory of God, but we do ask you, Lord God. God, to redeem the time, Lord God, to give it, because the days are evil, Lord God, to give us moments, give us special moments, 
Give us, Lord God, moments, Lord God, that, that we didn't even see coming, Lord God, that just kind of fell in our lap with our grandkids, oh God, with our, with, with, with our own teenagers, Lord God, with that neighbor kid down the street, with that, with that person that's, uh, that we love that family and they've got a teenager and they seem to kind of connect with us. Lord, give us divine connections, oh God, that we may declare your power to this generation, to tell our story that we, we've not been perfect Christians, but we've, we've done our best to love God and he's done miracles in our lives and to declare how good you are and how great you are. Father, we thank you that you're going to help us invest in this younger generation. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as a congregation, we pray for the school systems of this Metroplex, Father. The people that have our kids more than anybody else, more than any hours in the day, Lord. We pray for godly leadership in the in the school districts, whether they be charter districts, private districts, public school districts, Father, and even in the co-ops that gather, Father. We pray for godliness and righteousness Lord, I thank you that godly parents will not send their kid away and not think about what goes on, but will invest in the districts. Father, wake us up, Lord. Give us visions, whatever it takes, Father, to wake us up to the needs, Father, of these children. They need need watchmen. They need supporters. They're with them as they go out into into the battlefield, so to speak, Father. We thank you that Jesus is Lord over the schools of this Metroplex, Father. And we thank you Lord, that you will prevail in that. In Jesus' name. Would you join hands with that person next to you? And we're just going to take the last couple of seconds as we close out. And we're just going to ask, we're just going to, I want you to, if you will, to extend the love of your heart to the person on either side of you. And I just want to ask that that as you pray for the person on either side of you, that you would pray God's well-being on their life. Could we just take the last couple closing seconds and do that? Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray for one another. Lord, we've been challenged today with your word and how you love young people and how you invested. But Lord God, some of us are just overwhelmed. We're just getting through the day. So we just pray right now, Lord God, for peace and joy. Lord God, as we go today to have lunch and be with family and friends, oh God, that there would just be rest. That there would be, there would be just um, enjoyment of the day. Enjoyment of you. Lord, this is the day that we celebrate you in a big celebration. We gathered. We sang. We heard the word of the Lord. We're challenged. We're impacted. But Lord God, just to enjoy the rest of the day. Lord God, to, to keep us strong. Lord, come on, pray for the person on either side. Extend that love like you would want to extend it to you. Father, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name that every man and woman in this room will feel the love of Christ through the bond of relationship with the body of Christ. Father, I pray for those, oh God, that maybe have been coming for a couple weeks and haven't met anybody, that there would be a divine connection even happening today as they go to exit the facilities, Lord, maybe out in the, out in the four-year area, Lord God, getting another latte or whatever it may be. And I just thank you, Lord God, that we will be one, that we will be strong in the Lord and the power of your might all of our days. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen and amen.